Spirit, open our hearts. Come, Holy Spirit, open our minds. Amen. You may be seated. When the day of Pentecost had come, this is how our reading from Acts began this morning. It is always helpful for me to remember that our faith is deeply rooted in long-standing traditions and practices. Not just the ones we still engage in, but also the ones that meant everything to those who first followed Jesus. Those who first proclaimed faith in a triune God. Pentecost was already an important day for the disciples and those first followers of Christ. It marked the 50th day after Passover and was a time that many Jewish people would make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, bringing with them the first fruits of their harvest, giving back to God a portion of that which God had given to them, and asking for a blessing on the remainder of the harvest. It was also the day when they commemorated receiving the Torah, the law, at Mount Sinai. This is foundational. This is a foundational commemorative day because the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, are the core of the Jewish faith and of ours. So this was already a highly significant event in the life of the Jewish people. But because it's also important because of the nature of what happened on that day. Exodus chapter 19 recounts the event. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended upon it in fire. The smoke went up like the smoke of a kiln, while the whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses would speak and God would answer him in thunder. God's presence was felt and experienced in fire and loud noises, just as the disciples experienced at the descent of the Holy Spirit. At Mount Sinai, the Lord entered into covenantal relationship with the people of Israel. And this is important because God, the creator of all things, could have created us and then gone off and done things that God wanted to do. God doesn't need us, and yet God chose to be in relationship with us. I mean, that's a big deal. This God of ours wants to be in relationship with us, relationship which requires participation from both parties. So God at Mount Sinai sets out the covenant, the things that God expects us to do, and the things that God will do in return. And this creates a healthy and strong relationship when we both know what our expectations are and we live into them. God chooses to be in relationship with God's creation, to be in partnership, to be invested in our lives. 
So Pentecost was already a very important day, and on this day of all days, God chose to come to earth again and to engage in relationship again, but instead of choosing one person to interact with directly, as God did with Moses at Mount Sinai, or other prophets throughout history, on this day, the Holy Spirit poured out upon all people. I want to encourage you to see this as a difference, but not as an improvement. It is an important difference, but it is not that God did something good at Sinai and was now doing something better in Jerusalem. There is no need for binary thinking here, no good, better, best necessary. Instead, it's just different, a beautiful unfolding of a different flower. The blossom of the iris doesn't make the bloom of the rose any less lovely. They're just different flowers. And this was a different flourishing. God sharing God's self with humanity in a different way. Pentecost as a commemoration of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is a renewal of God's covenant. God is endlessly creating, and on that day, God was doing a new thing. Some of God's creative power came to earth and entered into each person. Just like at Sinai, the powerful inbreaking of God into our reality was met with wonder and amazement and confusion and doubt. And in response, Peter, being Peter, delivers a sermon. Peter does what all of us attempt to do when we preach. He experiences what's going on, and he opens scripture to the group to help them understand. And in this case, Peter reminded those gathered together of the prophet Joel and the words God had given to Joel more than 400 years earlier. Joel prophesied that God would pour out spirit upon all people, that men and women, young and old, powerful and enslaved, would all receive the gift of the Spirit. And in this moment in Acts, that is what happens. And this is important because in this society, men have more power, wealthy people have more power, young people have, people in their prime have more power. And God is saying, no, no, no divisions here. We all get the same gift, and we all get it in abundance, and we all get the same amount. So who was in the house that day? We're told in the verses that we heard this morning that the disciples were all together in one place, and that might make us think that it's just, you know, 12 people or so. But just a few verses before this, the group that's gathered is defined as consisting of 127 persons, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as Jesus's brothers. So Jesus's followers were comprised of a wide variety of people and they were all gathered together and they were all impacted when the Holy Spirit descended. Spirit brings people together, but it does so not by eliminating difference, but rather by seeing difference and making it possible for people to understand each other across difference. The people begin speaking other languages. Language is so much more than words. It's culture. 
It's ways of thinking, ways of being in relationship. It's food. It's home. And the Holy Spirit gives us the gift to engage with others, seeing them for who they are, and not attempting to change that, but to be present to each other in the midst of it. The Holy Spirit inspires us to go towards others and enter into their space, their way of seeing, their cultural context. We can know from this that we are meant to engage each other with openness and love, not despite our differences or overlooking our differences, but because of our differences. God's creative power is endless and varied beyond our understanding. The Holy Spirit fills us and invites us into this creative dance so that we can see and love the variety spread before us, the beauty of the iris and the rose, so that we can marvel at this variety rather than being stuck, thinking that we all have to be the same. Pentecost is a powerful day. In the Hebrew Bible, windstorms and fire appear when God makes God's presence known among us. The burning bush, Mount Sinai, and in the Hebrew Bible, it is clear that God is present in very tangible spaces. God is present dwelling, taking up residence in the tabernacle and in the temple. And God makes God's presence known with wind and fire among the followers of Jesus. Holy Spirit comes among all of them. And here's the cool thing. Takes up residence within them. God, Holy Spirit, makes a temple out of each of us. God is in relationship with us. We have our part to play in that relationship, just as God does. Spirit works among us and in us all the time, with wild abandon and chaos and untamed love, as well as quiet and in subtle ways that aren't as easy to spot. Open your eyes and your hearts to God at work around you and in you. Open your eyes and hearts to the vast variety of creative differences present in our human family. And see the gift that we have been given in that difference. I end today's sermon with a poem by English poet, priest, and academic Malcolm Geit. His words sum up this day for me, and I hope you will find inspiration in them as well. Pentecost. Today we feel the wind beneath our wings. Today the hidden fountain flows and plays. Today the church draws breath at last and sings, as every flame becomes a tongue of praise. This is the feast of fire, air, and water, poured out and breathed and kindled into earth. The earth herself awakens to her maker and is translated out of death to birth. The right words come today in their right order and every word spells freedom and release. Today the gospel crosses every border. All tongues are loosed by the Prince of Peace. 
Today, the lost are found in his translation, whose mother tongue is love in every nation.